the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 370 for July 7th, 2013. Nokia plans to buy out Siemens, the FCC says it's okay for SoftBank to buy Sprint, and you may soon be able to buy a Moto X. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, happy 4th of July to those of you here in the U.S. It was a short week for many, which also means a relatively light week for news. But the holiday didn't stop everyone, including Nokia, from making a big announcement on Monday. So let's jump right in. Nokia and Siemens AG announced on Monday that they have entered into a definitive agreement pursuant to which Nokia will acquire Siemens' entire 50% stake in their joint venture. Now, Nokia Siemens uh, says the acquisition has been approved by the board of directors of Nokia, as well as the managing and supervisory boards of Siemens. It is also subject to the customary regulatory approval process. The purchase price for the Siemens stake is around $2.2 billion U.S., and the transaction expected to close during the third quarter of 2013. Upon closing of the planned acquisition, Nokia Siemens Networks will be a wholly owned subsidiary of Nokia. So kind of an interesting thing here. Obviously, we've we've heard very little from Nokia recently. You know, it's been for the most part on the on the phone side. It's all Windows phone for them. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, I think kind of naysayers with what is happening in, uh, it, you know, with the, the devices that they've made. There's no longer any Symbian devices being made. They, they just sold the last one of those. And so, um, you know, moving forward here, Nokia has got a, a, a kind of a, a, a tough road here, I think. And I think they're going to be struggling for a little bit to to kind of come in and in, in back into vogue, if you will, with uh, the general phone buying public. Well, and you know, it's kind of all based on the operating system right now. And their deal with uh, with Microsoft, I think, is kind of the uh, I mean, it will be the future. I, be, I mean, I do believe that Microsoft will continue to gain uh, subscribers or, you know, customers on the, the Windows phone OS as you know, Windows 8 and that whole interface kind of t- ties in with the phone interface and you kind of bring this uh, all together again. You know, sort of like what Apple has done, but it's kind of going to be the other direction. And, you know, they're, 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 the market share keeps increasing. And I, I think uh, eventually they'll be able to, you know, make this as kind of a sustainable business. Do you think that they need to stay with Windows Phone or do you think Android is uh, something that they should be considering? Because I, I, I keep wavering on that. And I think, you know, at some point, you know, they may need to give give in kind of like how I think some at some point, you know, BlackBerry may need to give in in order to make their hardware actually make sense and, and for people to buy it. But, you know, they're they've really kind of doubled down. So they say on, on sticking with Windows Phone. And and I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's the wrong decision yet. I'm just saying it is interesting that they are the the sole hardware manufacturer that has chosen to be exclusive to Windows Phone. Samsung, LG, HTC, these these companies are making hardware that runs uh, you know, for Windows Phone, but then of course they're doing the Android thing as well. Some of them also doing their own OS. So what do you think? Is it is it worth their time to to explore these other avenues or do they just stick exclusively with Windows Phone and kind of have that as their thing? You know, it's kind of frustrating, I'm sure, for them that there's these other manufacturers can make Windows Phone uh, devices as well. You know, you'd almost think that they have an exclusive, you know, Microsoft, Nokia, you don't, you'd almost think Microsoft would buy out Nokia and just do it exclusively, you know, kind of like Apple makes, you know, Apple iPhones exclusively. But, you know, I think it's, um, you know, it's probably good for them to stay focused on one thing, because if they start competing on the Android level, then they're competing against tons and tons of other players. Whereas right now they're only competing against, you know, one or two models from each of the other manufacturers instead of hundreds of models across the, the globe made from all these different companies. 
it, it to me it just doesn't seem like a, a good place to be uh it's good to be on a growth side of the business instead of maybe even declining due to android you know people changing or or you know just the absolute dilution of that market well this is a a long uh, you know a long history with this company as a, as a joint venture with nsn nokia siemens networks of course nokia out of finland and siemens out of germany uh this has been around uh since uh, middle of 2006 and uh, so it, it's interesting that they're now kind of breaking this apart of course they you know we are now talking about you know nokia continuing to run this here and siemens has got a ton of other businesses and so they'll continue to do their thing it just wasn't part of their core competency so no longer will they have the nokia side of things to contend with well also out of europe this week european mobile users will begin experiencing lower roaming rates for calls texts and data starting this week new price caps went into effect on monday here's how this breaks down so a cap on data has been reduced from 70 cents per megabyte down to 45 cents per megabyte receiving calls uh or excuse me placing calls has been reduced from 29 cents down to 24 cents receiving calls has been reduced from eight cents down to seven cents and sending an sms has been reduced from nine cents down to eight cents these new rates only apply to subscribers of european mobile network roaming operators within other roaming uh, within other european countries so when those users are roaming if you are roaming from a non-eu carrier you're subject to uh, the regular rates that are being charged by these carriers uh, within the eu uh, the roaming rates are also expected to be abolished altogether sometime in 2014. The only problem with these kind of, uh, you know, fixed prices that happen with regulation, these companies still want their profit margin to be the same. So what they do is they just, you know, change these, you know, migrate the money that they would have made on these kind of fees and put it into some some other place and charge you more for it. So sometimes this is great for, you know, certain things like this, but other times that, you know, there can be kind of a negative side effect. Well, and I think uh, the ultimate, uh, you know, goal of this, and then it's it's going to happen here, is, is the the abolishment of these rates altogether. I'm 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 excited about that. It's going to feel more like if you're someone who lives in the EU, it's like someone living in the U.S. You can go from state to state, and it's no big deal. It's amazing that we can travel three thousand miles from, say, California to New York City and not be roaming. Uh, when you're talking about multiple time zones away, uh, you know, it, it's it's unheard of uh, in other places. So uh, we just happen to be a very large country, and so it's good to see that the uh, as they've started to come together for things like you know the the currency that's being used that as a as a in a someone who lives in a resident of one of these countries you're going to be able to take your phone and, and go to these other countries and not be charged an arm and a leg so good news there it starts this week with these new rates and it'll continue here with the abolishment uh, next year the fcc reaching two decisions for sprint on friday voting unanimously to approve all applications filed by softbank sprint and clearwire concerning the recent acquisitions and investment activity what this means is that softbank can now legally spend 22 billion dollars on their purchase of sprint and also sprint Sprint has the go-ahead to purchase the 49% share of Clearwire that they don't already own. Shareholders of Sprint have already approved the SoftBank merger with a 98% voting uh, for uh, approval of this merger. Clearwire shareholders are set to vote on their deal come July 8th, and the Clearwire board has recommended approval of the sale. The deals are expected to close at the end of the month. Well, prepaid carrier Simple Mobile is rolling out a, th- a new three-tier plan structure that offers more choices and data at each different level. The three options now include $40 a month for unlimited talk, text, and data, which gives you 500 megs at 4G speeds. $50 is unlimited everything with 4G speeds for the first 2.5 gigs. And $60 a month gives you unlimited everything with the first 4 gigs at 4G speeds. Now, the $40 plan has doubled the amount of full-speed data that it offers from 250 megabytes previously 
obviously. And the $60 plan has the most data ever offered by the carrier. It's similar to T-Mobile. Uh, Simple Mobile simply throttles down the usage uh, uh, to two G speeds once you hit that specified allotment. Users can, of course, re-up to uh, the monthly payment that they paid to get that amount yet again if they want to start their new month early. So that uh, kind of works out well if you decide that you want to continue on there. So uh, good news there if you're a Simple Mobile customer and you're looking to uh, jump in on one of these plans. Dish and Southwest Airlines this week announcing a new partnership that will allow iOS device users to access live and on-demand programming for free directly from their tablet or smartphone. Customers using Dish's Dish Anywhere and Hopper Transfers apps on their iPad can watch all of their live TV, DVR recordings, and on-demand shows anywhere, anytime via a Wi-Fi connection or hopper transfers, including now on Southwest via an iPad. The TV flies free service is what they're calling it, and it will be available to all of the 400 Wi-Fi enabled Southwest planes. This is pretty interesting. You know, certainly not a a cellular related thing but what what this means is that if you are on a southwest flight and you have yourself an ipad and you want to connect and watch tv you can now do that for free it's kind of nice it's 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 great but yeah you're right it's very very like specific and very limited you know you have to have an ipad you have to have a dish you have to have the hopper you have to be on southwest it's like maybe you'd want to do a bigger style role i don't know maybe this is just for testing but my gosh, it it, uh, it seems like you have to have a lot of variables just right in order to use a service. And, you know, that's I think that's okay, I suppose, if you're someone... There are a lot of people that are using Dish, and so you're comfortable with it, but um, it, it, is, it is not going to be... As far as I understand, anyone can download these apps, this uh, Hopper Transfer or Dish Anywhere app, and you can then use it when you're on the plane. It doesn't do anything when you're not on a plane, but once you're on the plane, you can actually use it. So for anyone that's out there that happens to be on one of these flights and you don't have Dish, let us know your experience with this because we'd love to know if you were able to watch TV, what you were able to watch. Did you get, you know, local channels? Was it just selected channels, movies, TV shows? You know, what was it? We'd love to hear from you uh, on that. And of course, we've talked recently about what is happening here with uh, the FAA and they're reconsidering, uh, you know, things with uh, how people are able to use mobile devices or any kind of electronic device when they are uh, below the 10,000 foot level uh, slash, you know, in takeoff and landing mode. So I'll be interested to hear how this kind of stuff plays into that. My guess is that, of course, uh, you know, until we hear otherwise, you're still not going to be able to use it until you hit that 10,000 foot mark. In device news, a page has appeared on Motorola.com for an unannounced phone called the Droid Ultra. This happened early this week. Specifications identical to the Razer M. However, headline on the page said, Think Thin. Available in a bunch of glossy color colors, this high-grade DuPont Kevlar body proves you can be even thinner and still as tough as steel. But then later this week, a print ad surfaced promoting the Motorola X phone, or the Moto X, uh, which is not part of the Droid branding. The ad highlighting that it's assembled in the USA and mysteriously called it the first smartphone that you can design yourself and also said designed by you. And finally, on Friday, sources at ABC News said that they confirmed details of the upcoming Moto X that have been outlined on the supposed customization options that we saw. Uh, Through a website, buyers will be able to select from a palette of different colors Colors. One color can be used for the back of the case and another can be selected for the trim of the phone. Users will also be able to engrave a name or message on the back cover as well as upload a personal photo through a site to be used as the wallpaper on their phone screen, according to people familiar with this rollout. In addition, it says the phone will be running Android 4.2.2, which is currently being tested by U.S. carriers. The device is said to be available for purchase online as well as from carrier
your stores, though no pricing details were mentioned there. And more interestingly about this is that the alleged confirmation uh, with this device also comes along with new sensors and smart technology that Motorola will be building into the device. Examples that were being given were flicking the phone to open the camera application, extended voice recognition services, and even the ability to sense when you're driving and activate the speakerphone in such a situation. Uh, so that is a, a kind of an interesting, a, a lot of rumors, yet some confirmed things from various sources here. But either way, we're, it looks like we're going to be seeing a Moto X here before too long, and it's going to be a pretty customizable device. Sounds pretty interesting, you know, to be able to uh, custom order a color and trim for a device would be kind of cool because if you, you know, you know, people like individual phones and as we've seen kind of over the years, you know, you have, you know, one color cell phone, it was always gray, then kind of turned black. And then all of a sudden, sometimes you could get an array of colors like what Apple did with the iPod eventually moving away from just white, you know, we're kind of getting into that extreme situation where you can kind of custom choose your color out of, you know, probably maybe hundreds or thousands. You can maybe put a Pantone color in and get the exact shade that you want. And, you know, there's one, you know, one way you can differentiate yourself from the other manufacturers out there is doing something unique like this. I think I would be I would be apt to to look at choosing some colors a little bit more uh, from a you know from a customizable perspective than going to a store and seeing just you know two or three colors there. It would make me at least think about what I would want to do with the device. I, I certainly do like um, something like a black device because it, it feels relatively timeless. Um, you know, it's it's it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's easy for me and stuff like that. But but I would uh, I would have to think about it. You know, there are certain colors that we all you know I think like or have a you know th- you know think about your car. You know, do you have a black car? Do you have a white car? Do you have a red car? Do you have, what is it? You know, that's a very customizable thing. What about the clothes that you wear? Are you someone who chooses you know relatively conservative colors? Or are you choosing to do wear things like you know what? It's a it's a weekend. It's it's your time. Uh, you're you're sitting there wearing something that you want to wear. What color are you wearing? You know, for me it's a lot of blues, and so I maybe more apt to choose a blue with my phone than maybe a black if I had the option to do so. Yeah, and for me, I miss that bright cherry red Palm Centro that I had. And then also, I kind of miss that that uh, Pantone green color that they had. Uh, it was a real specialized green that they had uh, released as the second generation model Centro that I had uh, as a follow-up device. And I, I liked those two colors, and I'd probably choose something similar to that. I think I would uh, I would probably be a little, like I said, uh, you know, I'd be a little bit more conservative personally. I, I don't find, uh, you know, I don't find a lot of... Um, you know, I guess myself being all that, that, you know, I'll just say edgy, you know, not that red is edgy, but you know, sometimes it can be if you pull out a red phone, but anyway, I, I think, it, I think it's just a fun thing to do. Um, you know, some of this stuff, I, I don't quite understand what a personal photo, uh, that can be used as the wallpaper on the phone screen. We can do that now. We've been able to do that for years. So I may be missing something there. I think it would just come like that pre-configured, uh, when you open it up out of the box, I bet you is all that is. So it'll take the serial number and pop it in your order and then it'll just show up. I mean, yeah, something silly, but you know, there could be more to it that we don't know about yet it you know motorola definitely needs to do something to try to gain some more traction here i mean they've had a few hits here and there uh you know especially with their original droid the uh the motorola q back a bunch of years ago now and uh you know the 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 razor max was pretty good here for verizon i mean i I see a number of those out there just because of the battery life that's what i find a lot of people um as biggest complaints about smartphones are, are battery life so they uh, what I keep finding out there is people pick the ones with the longest battery life. Like I see Galaxy Note 2s now because they last the longest. And, and that seems to be a big driver. So um, it, it, it's, you know, they've got to find something to try to, something to stick, at least for a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of battery life, um, you know, for sure. But I, I also know that I'm, 
you know, personally, I, I will choose a device based on something else other than that uh, and, and just kind of deal with it. And that's kind of what I end up doing. I have my phone charging all the time so that I don't have to even think about it. But anyway, uh, going back to this here, uh, Moto X, we'll see what happens with this one. Hopefully we'll get some more details here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a good device for the summer to kind of hold us over if you're someone who's, you know, waiting or looking for something that's outside of the typical Samsung and HTC stuff and uh, not yet a Nexus that will, of course, will probably see a new version come later this year so anyway some uh some interesting stuff here to be thinking about for all of the android fans out there no software news this week so let's jump into these questions and comments the first one comes to us from dominic and he says guys i need some help uh since the wife and i are back on t-mobile we are loving the no contract concept that they're doing i've tried to explain it to people that it is cheaper in the long run to pay full price for your phone instead of doing a two-year contract and now you can uh you can upgrade when you want as long as you pay your phone off or at least down enough uh, how can I convince people that it's cheaper to buy full price devices and not go the contract way? Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. Dominic. Well, uh, I think the best way I can explain it is with an example. So uh, I want to talk about just a 16 gigabyte iPhone on contract versus off contract. And then we'll compare that either with uh, saying AT&T is your carrier, your carrier post paid carrier that you're signing up for a contract with or straight talk. And we'll just use them just be for for sake of things here. So if we use a two-year life of a device, let's consider the costs associated with it for that time. On the postpaid side, so the AT&T side, you'd have an iPhone cost on the device of $200 plus a plan for $40 a month for voice and text, $60 a month for two gigs of data. Uh, that's $2,400 per year uh, for, for the for the years for the service. So that means total cost of ownership with tax or excuse me, without tax is $2,600 for two years. So remember that $2,600 number, two years, AT&T service plus the device 2600 On the prepaid side, you'd have to pick the full cost of the device up, up front, which is $650. However, at only $45 a month for the equivalent talk, text, and data service, you're only going to pay $1,080 in service over the two years. So that's even less uh, for uh, what it would be, and it's, it's less than half, I should say, of what we're talking about here on the postpaid side. So even though the upfront cost is higher, it's going to only be $1,730 over the course of two years uh, versus the $2,600. So that's $870 less uh, over two years or $435 less Per year, and you can break that down by month if you choose to do so. We're talking about uh, a, a very, a very big savings every month. So take that out, extrapolate it. See, the the real savings come in when you go beyond two years, even because if you, you know, because that's what a normal contract uh, expiration is. So if you kept your phone for four years in that particular case, on the second service, you'd be only paying twenty eight hundred dollars overall, twenty eight ten, and on AT T, you'd be five thousand dollars. So you would have a savings of over $2,000 if you kept your phone for four years uh, going on the, the prepaid side of things. Yeah, it's it is pretty staggering when you think about when you think about it that way. Now, uh, the one thing that I will say is we are talking about you know AT and T, which is comparable to Verizon, but not comparable to what you would get on uh, on say a T Mobile if you chose to do that. So, and also there are other devices that are out there. Say you choose to go with a Nexus, which is only three hundred dollars. You're going to you know you're going to save even more money uh, if you choose to do it that way. Three hundred dollars contract free. Your two year cost would now only be thirteen hundred and eighty dollars, meaning you're saving saving $1,300 uh, by going that route. So it's, 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 it gets even more significant. 
Yeah. And then, of course, then, yeah, the longer you go with that particular, like the Nexus 4, for example, if you go three, four years with it, look at how much you can save on that on that side of things uh, just because of the, the lower monthly fee, because you're not paying your carrier to basically finance the hardware for you up front. And then every single month, even if you're not buying new phones at that two year point. So this is where it's just it, it's it's a staggering amount of money that you can say, I mean, uh, spend you know saving over two thousand dollars or two thousand two hundred dollars just in two years extra is really pretty mind blowing. Yeah, and and we're not talking about buying a budget phone here. I mean, we're talking about an expensive six hundred and fifty dollars is what I'm you know I'm I'm proposing that you're spending here. Uh, even and even with that, you're still talking now almost forty dollars per month less that you're going to pay over the course of two years, and that gets even more once you get past that two year mark. So uh, it it is a good way to go um, if if this is you know what's important to you uh, in in saving money, and you can you know find a service that works, whether it's Straight Talk or T Mobile's uh, you know prepaid service, Simple Mobile, like we mentioned earlier. That's a good way to go too um I love the idea of I would probably actually go with a the $40 plan to start out with and see how how I could do with, you know, 500 megabytes. I, I think for the most part I do just fine. 40 bucks a month unlimited everything else. That's a great way to go. It is. And like you said though, there are some caveats, you know, uh, on the postpaid side of things, you you do have more service areas, you know, roaming becomes less of an issue, you know, uh, and a lot of people have Verizon, you know, regular Verizon service because they go into very rural areas and certain uh, parts of the country that just do not have GSM coverage at all, even. So you do have to be a little bit more careful on that side of things. But if you're in a, if you're in a, a metro area or any sort of, you know, busy area or city, you're pretty much covered by most of the carriers. You'd be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's that's one of the things that we, we take for granted these days, is just that the carriers have really now pretty much, I mean, certainly there's going to be places that are going to work better than others and whatnot, but for the most part, we're doing pretty well and, and you can pretty much choose any service where you go. Uh, it's There's just going to be some nuances there based on the different places that you travel, which of course is, is something that you're going to have to choose. And that's why there are choices here and where this is a very personalized thing uh, when it comes to choosing your service. Next uh, question here comes from Chris. He says, Mickey and Joey, I've got a story for you and I'd like to hear your thoughts. I work in law enforcement and due to the shortage of ammunition around the country, I have to purchase my own ammo uh, to do my training. I recently went to a dealer that's been open since January and they use the Square service for credit card purchases. I went to purchase about $200 worth of ammo and the dealer told me that they can only take cash right now. The dealer explained that Square recently changed its policies and it no longer supports retailers who sell firearms and ammunition. Apparently Square said it has uh, nothing to do with politics, but said that from time to time they revisit their policies governing the use of Square and to ensure that they're consistent with their own values and the best interests that they believe are for their customers. So now maybe this gun dealer should go ahead and get a credit card machine. But since he's a small business and Square was beneficial, uh, he is also not in the only business that I go to that uses Square. Uh, and there's also other ones out there, of course, as well. And they obviously can do whatever they want, but I'm the customer and my interests aren't being met with what they're providing. Also, Square is very innovative and possibly a step going forward in mobile with everything. Uh, and why would they want to do this to stifle their own growth? It worries me when we have to force technology to fall in line with what some person or persons believe is unethical or bad for PR. What do you think? Uh, maybe there's more to the story. Definitely not important in the whole scheme of things, but I thank you for your time, Chris. Uh, so this is a this is a difficult one to, to talk about, right? Because we're talking about a very sensitive subject here uh, with uh, just, I think everyone, this is very polarized on this. You believe, you know, probably on one side or the other in most cases, but, uh, and not specifically cellular related. I thought it was a good one to share because the idea of having this mobile tech available 
is something that does interest me. Uh, and in your example, uh, it is good to know that these companies are taking stances on what types of transactions that they're willing to process here. PayPal does the same thing. Uh, they will not do business with any firearms groups or ammo sellers either. So while uh, w- without getting into whether or not this is the right thing to do, I will say that each of these groups is going to make their own decisions on which side of the fence that they stand. In this instant, they're, they're not on your side. Well, what's frustrating is is you, you, you want this service to be able to purchase whatever you want. I mean, you're doing something legal, of course, you know, buying ammunition for target practice. I mean, it's something that's, you know, absolutely, you know, legal to do. You can buy ammo at Walmart. It's no big deal. You can go in there and use your credit card and buy it. And and for the small business side of things, not having a credit card machine makes total sense. The, the fees that they charge are absolutely ridiculous because there's a transaction fee there's percentage fees by the time they're done with it i mean it's it, on small purchases it can be up almost 10 percent that what they're taking out of the uh, uh out of the purchase with the credit card machine um but you know you can kind of equate this to uh what if you went to the store maybe not so much these days but okay you know go 10 15 20 plus years ago when you'd write a check what if they would not accept a check because you're uh because you're going to an ammo shop that would seem silly because that's, you know, basically kind of a form of a payment just because of the type of the shop that you are, not because they don't want to take checks due to other reasons. And so this is what happens with, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say because of lax regulation, but it very well could be because if you're offering, you know, Square, if you're offering a form of payment that should be acceptable for to, to, to purchase things. You want to be able to use it. And you'd almost think that government would say, okay, well, maybe you should accept payment for legal stuff no matter what, it, no matter your political stance on it, just because it, it, it gets in the way of doing business. So, I mean, these are all these, uh, you know, arguments you could make or, you know, for or against uh, services like this. I'm someone who looks at this type of situation and, and thinks, well, you know, I really think they're missing the boat here on, on this by not by not allowing it. But I also realize, you know, and to your point as well, Joey, that th- this is not going to be something that we're going to change. I mean, this is a service that these people are, are either going to allow or not allow. And, and they have decided as an organization to do this. It doesn't mean uh, they won't change it in the future. I'm just saying uh, it's not something that maybe us talking about it or whatever is going to to make them you know choose uh, to do this in another way. I would say that uh, it, it's it's really a matter of voting with your dollars and whether or not you're choosing to uh, to use these types of services because uh, they are they are convenient. I understand, but if you can't go to or a company chooses not to use them uh, because they can't use they, they can't push their product because there's no way to take you know, the payment because of what they're doing. They're not gonna. They're not gonna gain any ground in that, and maybe they're okay with that. But uh, either way, it's still. Uh, it, it, it just to me, it doesn't sit right. But at the same time, I, I I totally get their point. I understand what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, they they have the freedom to do that. Maybe maybe that's where the government regulation would have to come in and say you you don't have the freedom to choose where or not you're accepted based on the the product categories. You know, because of this or that. You, you know, this is where the the question comes in. You know, Square is obviously missing out on business here because you know they'd probably you know have whatever percentage they do take off at this particular one business, for example. Um, but then again, of course, then you end up thinking, well, Square is kind of bad because I can't use it everywhere. And, and it's, you know, proliferation may not be as uh, successful because if they're restricting where they're going to, maybe that's going to be bad for them. And you'll think, oh, Square's not that any good. Kind of like Google Wallet on the, the, the Nexus phone. You know, it's, it sounded real great promising they were going to add retailers like crazy. Now we're, what, two, three years later and it hasn't changed. It's still just McDonald's and a couple of gas stations here and there. So it's, uh, y- you know, and 
this could be bad for them or it could be good, but it really does uh, turn to politics, which is kind of strange when you get into mainstream style stuff where you're thinking of forms of payment where, you know, whoever questions how did this uh, person buy their ammunition, you know, oh, oh my gosh, they use Square for their form of payment? How dare they? I can't believe they didn't use cash for that. I mean, it's, it, it seems kind of silly when you kind of boil it down to this, the, you know, the actual form of payment of stuff. Well, and to Chris's point, there could be more behind it, too. Uh, I, I read the story that he sent over. I did some searching and I pretty much found the same uh, articles and the same the same references to what was happening here. But, you know, perhaps it's a it's a tracking thing where they were being asked to provide information to uh, some sort of, you know, government entity based on the, the sales that were occurring. I, we don't know this. And this is not stuff that is is usually public knowledge. And so that could have been as well. And, and maybe as an organization, they didn't want to get into that. And that may have not have been specifically it, but there could have been something like that that could have come up. Uh, and in something like that, if that's the case, which, you know, I wouldn't doubt that for one millisecond uh, or a nanosecond here in the terms of processing speed that we've got these days where these transactions are probably tracked. The NSA probably has something like this in going because we've got lots of other tracking going on with NSA. And I would not be surprised because if they want to try to pinpoint uh, people that have, you know, stockpiles of ammunition, this would be the, the way to do it if you're selling to retailers um, you know, big banks that have credit card processing, they of course have been able to build, build all this stuff in and square being probably a smaller company does not have the resources available to do that. And, and for certain types of purchases like this, I, I could believe that entirely. So, and not for, you know, allowing payment for those types of places, because then you'd have to start doing all the back end tracking does really make sense. Well, it is uh, whether or not that was the issue and, and whatever side of the fence you sit on in, in you know, agreeing with Square and their decision to do this or or not. It is a good to know that this is something that they do. And so, Chris, thank you very much for for passing it on that this, in fact, was uh, this was going on, because uh, otherwise I don't think most of us would have known that you could not buy ammunition if you were someone who was going to a dealer that uh, that uses these Square services. Next and finally today, uh, we've got some questions from Adam now. For those of you Android fans out there, listen up. We're going to need your help with some of these questions. So uh, Adam writes us, uh, and this is quite long, so we're going to stop uh, as we go along here. So he says, first off, Adam, or guys, uh, happy 4th of July. This is Adam. As you well know, for the last four years, my daily driver has been WebOS using the Pre-3 for almost the past two years. Last week, I finally made the plunge and picked up a Galaxy S4, probably the best choice right now on Verizon. Needless to say, there are a lot of great things in Android 4.2 that were just not available to the two-year-old dead OS. Uh, I bet I do miss the elegance of WebOS in so many ways. I've been finding ways to make it more WebOS-like, like using Nova Prime Launcher to add in app drawer tabs and gestures, Conjure for universal, universal search, Swipe Pad for quick launch wave, some widgets to take the place of cards that would I would leave open uh, at all times, and other little tweaks. I even picked up a Touchstone-enabled back for wireless charging, but as of now, the biggest frustration I'm having is the lock screen and notifications. I know that both of you are mostly on iOS these days, but I was wondering if you and your listeners will have any suggestions on settings or apps or widgets or lock screen replacements or anything else that I can use to help me out here. Here are my questions. First, while Android 4.2 supports lock screen widgets, the S4 is restricted to only allow it when you have no security enabled. Whether it's a pin code, pattern, or a password, you cannot access lock screen widgets unless you have swipe to unlock selected. This means no quick access to the camera or shortcuts, no notification drawer, no widgets, etc. Is there a way around this? Because I really want to use a pin code, but I also want to have access to these lock screen goodies. 
Boy, I don't think there is. I think this is kind of a low-level Android thing. I know on my, uh, I've got an Android tablet here sitting right next to me. There's nothing available on it, uh, with the exception of the clock and the little icons at the bottom for notifications because I have a pattern lock enabled on the screen. Uh, I also recently looked into um, uh, some other ways for notifications on the lock screen. I was not able to find them. I'm thinking you're probably right with this. And this was one of the frustrations that, that I had and one of the reasons that I was actually using uh, when I was using the Nexus. I had limited in, you know, data on it because I wanted to just be able to pick it up and use it and be able to use it without having to, uh, you know, to, with the things like being able to go into uh, and seeing what some of those, uh, those notifications were without having to enter the passcode. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's an issue here, I think, that is, is still needing to be addressed. Um, but, you know, or, or is it, right? Because if you're someone who um, is concerned or worried about the security side of it, do you really want all that information accessible from the lock screen, right? Yeah, and, and, and in some cases, like for me and my Exchange server, I now require, you know, anybody connected to it, ha- you have to have a four-digit PIN code in order to connect to the server. And then I have no choice. I have to have that in. So you, you lose all that functionality. Well, and I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do here with, with Android, which I think is pretty nice. But um, here's, here's an interesting article. And this comes from a couple of years ago, but it was, uh, I thought it was kind of fun. So uh, if you, if you're someone who uses a four digit passcode, these are the ones you don't want to use because these are the most common ones that are being used out there. So the first one is one, two, three, four. The second one is 0000. The next one is 2580. And you may be thinking, wow, that doesn't actually seem all that common. Look at your phone. You'll see exactly why 2580 is used a lot. 1111, 5555, 5683 seems pretty random. Uh, so does 0852. Uh, but anyway, those are ones that a lot of people are using, as well as 2222, 1212, and 1998 of all the things that are out there. So anyway, if those are ones that you're using, maybe time to pick another one here. If I picked up someone's iPhone, this is an easily uh, findable article from a couple of years ago. So just make sure you're not using one of those. There's like 200,000 other codes that you can use. So check out one of those. Uh, anyway, so that was the first question. Number two, uh, with WebOS or my wife's iPhone, you can see all of your notifications right on the lock screen. You just tap the power button, look at the notifications, and either act on one of them or just turn the screen back off and deal with it later. Is there any way to get your notifications to show up on the screen without having to do anything special by default it looks like when you just get text messages or miss call notifications um when i've tried to add some widgets when i have my security turned off like dash clock widget uh, it doesn't do every notification and i don't like that i can't change the font color to be something other than white or as long as security is disabled, I can swipe down on the notification drawer from the lock screen. But again, that's one extra step to do than just tapping on the power button. I, I'm not actually sure if there's a question in here, but uh, what do you think? Okay, so what the frustrating part is of this is, yeah, there is not a list of notifications on Android that hit this. You have to swipe down. Uh, if I remember on the... Um uh, the ice cream sandwich or the, the the jelly bean upgrade on the Nexus S I had you could you could actually pull down the app drawer on the lock screen I think to see the notifications but I don't know if that's still there. Um, I was just looking at my Android tablet here. This is a Cyanogen mod ROM. It does have a lock screen um, uh, section in the settings, but the only thing you can turn on is the calendar display and the weather on this device uh, on the lock screen and. And even in, even on the Cyanogen on here, which is kind of an open ROM with very, very flexible, tons of settings, 
even with the, the 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 pattern lock, I cannot access the camera directly, even though you know you can normally do that. So this is a very limited, uh, you know, it's a very limited when the lock screen is. And this brings me to another comment. I, I was actually looking this up last weekend about how uh, you can set your iPhone and your iOS, your your iPad to turn on when a, when a notification comes in. You know, this is this can hit the battery life, and obviously, you don't want to have every notification do this. You only want to have the important ones, maybe like text messages and uh, important email accounts light up your screen when a message comes in. I don't know, Mickey, how uh, you're thought about this, but I absolutely adore that the the screen turns on. I can see the notification, I can read it, I can ignore it or handle it right then at that time. But Android, this functionality does not exist, and you cannot get it on there. No matter what kind of widget or mods or hacking ROMs you have on there, uh, you can't get something like that to occur. That's uh, very interesting. I guess I, I did not realize that. Um, maybe that just one of those subtle, you know, subconscious things that I wasn't even thinking about. But yeah, I, I absolutely love it as well. Um, I use it uh, for quite a bit of things. In fact, I, I've set a lot of the things that notify me to do uh, simply this: show. Uh, to, I think it's show on the lock screen. But there's no vibrate, there's no tone, and it's also not in notification center. So what that means is it's something that pops up. I will see it on the lock screen, but then when I pull down the notification door, it will not show up in there. The examples that I would they would say for this are like weather alerts and news alerts. So I like to see the screen turn on because I usually have my phone out in front of me on a table or or wherever it is, uh, you know, at my desk. And so I like to see those things pop up. So if I if I'm in uh, in a position where I can read that, I can easily read that and see what's happening in real time as it pops up. But I don't necessarily need to reference it later. Uh, I don't need to read. And I and, and the reason I do this is because I get news from all sorts of different sources, whether it's you know. CNN or breaking news or AP or Fox, or I, I give out a couple more local stuff as well. And the, I get a lot of these things, which is great. It does I'm sure hit the battery pretty significantly. Actually, I would imagine, but cause it's doing it a lot, but I don't have to go through and continuously clean up my notification center. So I, I absolutely love using this. It's something I do quite a bit. Yeah. And it's it, it, this, you know, the functionality on the iOS isn't as good in some cases as it is on Android, but then there's the, these kind of function functions that make it better. So it, we've got, you know, pluses and minuses on both uh, interfaces. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's hit the next one here, which is a question about unlocking the device on WebOS. I had my device require a pin code every 30 minutes. So anytime the screen was turned off. If you uh, you had to swipe to unlock to activate the device, and if you were outside the 30-minute window, you would have to enter your password. With Android, I can't figure out how to get this similar behavior. If you choose lock automatically after 30 minutes, pressing the power button within 30 minutes goes right uh, into the phone without asking me to swipe to unlock. This can be problematic if I accidentally press the power button or just wanted to check my notifications. If I can figure out how this works in the question above. So I tried choosing lock instantly with power key, but then I had to put in my pin every time I turned off the screen, even though I only wanted to lock it after 30 minutes. Uh, how can I have some security requirements, but only need to be entered after every X minutes and still bring my lock screen on when I press the power button? This is, uh, it was a little bit confusingly written here, but here's, uh, but I think th- this is, I-, I know exactly what he's talking about. I know you do too. No, it, it's not confusing or written. It's just confusing because the, the, the option in Android here, this, the thing that he's talking about, the, the unlock, uh, automatically lock or, or power button instantly locks that function right there. It, it, it doesn't explain to what it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because I know it, what he's talking about. There's no timeout like in, in iOS. 
you know, I, I know you have this set as well, like, like 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever you can mm-hmm. set it to, uh, to not require your pin code. So sometimes you turn it on, you can swipe to unlock and you're right at the screen, but sometimes you have to type in your, your pin number or your, your passcode to get into your device. And you can set a delay where no matter what you've done with the device in this 20 minutes, as long as you used it within this you know, time period, you won't have to put that in. But on, on Android, when you turn the screen off using the power button, you have to put that pattern or your passcode in every single time. There's no way to set that delay. And I don't believe that is an option uh, that you can add on as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. And I know what you're talking about, because um, I'm not sure if maybe this wasn't uh, an option at one point. But if you set like if you say the 30 minutes in your case here and you push the power button, it will lock it. So apparently there's now a, a choice there that allows you to not have that be the case, because what I ended up doing is I just always let it just kind of fall out uh, of uh, you know, the screen to turn off and automatically, you know, go to sleep that way versus me pressing the button on it because that was what was causing it to lock. And so I, I didn't want it to happen. So I just would not use the power button at all because of that feature. Yeah. And I think that's it. The, you know, it's a different, uh, it, it may act differently in different devices here on my uh, CyanogenMod tablet here. There is a delay where you can have it lock automatically after 30 minutes uh, in sleep. And then the power button instantly is turning the screen on and off. There was a reason why I remember this with the Nexus. There was a problem with that functionality, but I don't know what it was. I remember what it was because then there's no keypad protection on the phone. Uh. That's what it was because there was then no slide to unlock. It, that's yes, because you'd put it in your pocket and it wouldn't have any sort of lock on it. So if your button got pressed in the pocket or you're pressing it, even, you know, sometimes you, you know, turn the button on and on when you're pulling it out of your out of the pocket. I would do that all the time, accidentally dial things all the time because it won't lock the keyboard at all in your pocket because you don't have that set. So it, it the functionality is there, but it, the implementation doesn't work. Hmm. That's interesting, annoying, whatever you want to call it. So there you go. Uh, next one here, besides the lock screen, he says there's a couple things that are bothering me. Number one, is it possible to send a video via text message MMS on Android? With my old Pre-3 and my wife's iPhone, you can attach a video to an MMS uh, and the device would downsize it to the resolution that you can send over the network. With the S4, all I get is an error that says the file is too large to attach. The HD video records at about one megabyte for every second of video. I know I could upload to YouTube or Dropbox or something, but that doesn't help on all I do is want to send uh, a data or a, a, a photo or video to someone and I don't uh, they don't have a smartphone as best I can tell the only solution I can find is to originally record sized for MMS but that's not really a solution I don't want to record low res when I have this beautiful HD camcorder boy that's a tough one I don't know if you're going to be able to get it around those restrictions because they're probably app based instead of uh, you know maybe you can find some third-party applications but you have to find one you could trust on this one um I want to take a couple of steps back here, and I was just looking at the security settings more uh, in that area where they've got the you know power button instantly locks. On mine, I see. I don't know if this is going to be in the S4 or not, but uh, a little bit further down that list, there is an option on my screen here that says "Show widgets before unlock," and I just tried it out, and it gave me the ability to actually choose the camera um, and and other things before I put the passcode pattern lock. Uh, before I entered it. So it's basically now a two-step process. 
So if you uh, take a quick look under settings under security and see if you have that show widgets before unlock checkbox available on your device. That's interesting. I, I didn't realize that was there. And that's it's kind of the story of Android, right? As you go, wow, that's really buried. That's really deep. That's, you know, well, at least it's their type of response is what I always have to those. But uh, oh, good find on that one. Um, going back to this MMS thing, I don't understand why this is why this is an issue. It's, it's going to, I'm imagining, be an issue for everybody. So someone who's got uh, an Android device, how do you send MMS? Uh, because obviously you're not going to send something that is, you know, 30 megs or 100 megs to somebody over MMS. So tell us what you do with that. Uh, next one is I really, really miss the uh, mute slash ringer switch that I've had on my Trio 600 and all of my WebOS phones that will mute all sounds regardless if I press the volume key. I find myself setting the S4 onto vibrate only, but every so often I accidentally press the ringer switch and the next thing I know my phone is making all sorts of sounds that I don't want it to. A friend of mine said that I should be look, uh, look for a setting to quote ignore volume rocker, but best I can tell Samsung got rid of that setting is there a way to force my phone to remain on mute slash vibrate until i decide to turn it on boy i don't know if there is this is another thing you'd have to get some sort of widget for and uh one of the things i just uh, you know web os and that that ringer switch i loved having that with the centro I, I can't remember what other devices had that uh previous to that that i used but this uh this feature with the iphone is a major deal you know my wife uses the the veer right now she's got the the pre-2 and the veer and they all have the switch and, you know, for me, that functionality is being able to reach in your pocket and just flip that switch quick. If you're going to a meeting or, or whatever you're doing to shut the thing up, to keep it from making noise, it's so easy and it makes so much sense. And that drove me nuts about my uh, the Nexus that I had because, yeah, it would be I'd try to keep it on vibrate as much as possible. But that um, that linear or not the linear thing, but that that the vibrator motor was so weak in that thing. I, I never felt it. So basically I had to keep it on full volume as much as I could, but changing it down to vibrate is such a process when you have to turn the screen on, arrow it all the way down, but get it to the vibrate setting, not the off setting where it doesn't vibrate at all. So it's just a pain. Yeah, I'm I'm really kind of hearing you here. I think this one is is one that uh, we're probably going to need to see some sort of hack uh, to get this one to, to be addressed. So maybe someone's got an easy way to do this, whether there's an, an app that does it or uh, some sort of modification of, of some setting somewhere through something. Just let us know if you know how to do this or if you've, you've decided to do this because you've got the same problem. Uh, second to last year, I've been using the official Google keyboard that I downloaded from the Play Store. Been pretty happy with it. However, the one thing I missed from the Samsung keyboard is a number row. Any suggestions on a replacement keyboard that's as good as Google but has the number row? Um, no suggestions on this one uh, from me. Uh, it's, you know, I, I like the Google keyboard, uh, honestly, and just would, would deal with it. But, uh, you know, maybe swipe. Uh, I'm not even sure if that one has a number row on it, though. Boy, yeah, that's a tough one. And that is a neat thing about the WebOS uh, on the, the touchpad here is the, um, and that's how I'm using CyanogenMod, by the way. It is it is an HP touchpad with the WebOS on the flip side. It does have the number row and on a screen that big. You, you'd think that, especially on like an S4, the screen's huge. Why can't you just turn a checkbox on and show me the number row separately if you want it, right? It, these Sometimes these things don't make sense why these aren't options. Yeah. Yep. And finally here, I got a touchstone enabled back cover on my phone. Wireless charging works great with one exception. On WebOS, we had an ex, uh, exhibition mode which where the screen would stay on uh, and some sort of live clock, uh, live locks, lock screen where notifications would come in and stay on the screen. And when uh, you can even run uh, exhibition-enabled apps. I know Android has a similar thing with dock mode, but it doesn't seem to activate when I put it on the touchstone. Maybe uh, there's some sort of way to enable this when it's on the charger. Maybe you have a, some sort of app suggestion or something like that. Uh, it was, you know, I, I know what you're talking about here. There are certain 
I think contacts is what is happening here when you put it in a dock uh, that are causing it to make that change. So maybe there is some sort of app that allows this to happen here. But uh, uh, actually, you can. There's a, a dock mode app, isn't there? Um, that you can just go in and press uh, to make that happen. Maybe you just put it on and, and activate that. I, I guess would be my. Yeah, the the could be the issue is that the the way these touchstones work, I, I believe, on this side of things is that it's not. It may just be charging the battery directly and not going through the OS so much. I don't, you know, see, I haven't had a touch. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, this, no, this, I mean, this, this tablet here, the touchpad actually does show me when it's charging. I don't know about other Android devices if the OS is aware of the fact that it's charging the battery. If so, maybe there is some sort of application that can do that. And, and I, because I know plugging in the USB creates kind of a different functionality. And I'm not seeing a setting in here that will keep it on with the with the uh the the power on so i yeah i I don't know if this is a a stock thing or if if you can get uh some sort of application to do this and maybe that's what i'm thinking of it from as it was part of the the stock os i'm not uh i'm not sure but uh anyway lots of lots of good questions here adam thanks for writing in and for those that have uh are using android and you've heard one of these and thought boy i've got some uh, i've got some advice or whatever let us know we'd love to hear uh, what you're doing yeah, the tough part is there's so much going on in Android and there's so many differences between the different phones and different devices. It's hard to keep up with this. And, you know, like right now, my touchpad here this is still on CyanogenMon 10. So I'm just on the, the ice cream sandwich uh, 4.0. Yeah, 4.0 here still. Uh, so I don't have some of the newer stuff that's even available with, you know, like what's on the S4 here. And of course, they've changed and moved things around. So it's not always, uh, you know, completely up to date. But of course, my real question is, why did you get an iPhone? It seems to me, it seems like the iPhone is more of a natural progression from WebOS. Well, and even with the iOS 7 functionality coming up, it's going to be more so. But I understand the frustration because, uh, you know, I see the WebOS here because my wife uses those two phones. And of course, the touchpad here that I have that I occasionally boot into WebOS. And and to me, i am been really happy with the the iOS interface, you know, coming from even the Palm Centro side of things. Yeah, well, I, I would... Uh, I I don't know that I'd ask it that way just because I know it's it's such a <laughs> I'm joke I'm joking I'm joke I know I, I'm trying to be facetious here a little bit because you know you know the other choice is always better right yeah well there's always grass uh, greener grass on the other side I think absolutely is the best way to put it but uh, anyway Adam uh, you've got uh, you've, you've definitely jumped into this one here and so hopefully some of our listeners can help you out please let us know if you have any comments uh, that you can uh, send to us that can help Adam out questions at the cell phone junkie.com is the email address that you can send them over to or if you'd like to uh, leave a voice voicemail uh, that way you can give us a call 206-203-3734 we'd love to hear from you and uh, if you have any questions as well please send them over and we will get them on a future show joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard visit us at the cellphonejunkie.com. junkie.com